2: Welcome back in another edition of College Golf Talk coming your way. Steve Burkowski, Brentley Romine with you. We will be joined momentarily by Kim Llewellyn, head coach for Wake Forest. The women off to a great start in this new season, picking up a victory at the Annika, intercollegiate, but uh, what's going on, Bradley? Before we dive into that, everything good in your
1: world, baby update, anything we need to know? <laughs> no, no, everything is going great, but just just heard the news about Roger Federer, the GOAT, one of the greatest of all time, retiring, hanging it up from Grand Slam and, and ATP Tennis.
2: Thought he maybe would have one more in him, was was hoping, <laughs> was wishing, uh, but Father Time is undefeated, so uh, no more for Federer. Yeah, such is life. Yeah, Stinks. loved him. Not a huge tennis guy. I would watch four times a year, but I would watch to see what he could do. So uh, who knows? You know, the next great one, perhaps the youngster that won the U.S. Open uh, a couple weeks ago or actually a few days ago. Uh, but I digress. Let's get to the good stuff. College Golf Talk back with you, of course, brought to you by Velocity Global as they seamlessly connect employers and talent, anyone, anywhere, anytime, anyhow, as its global work platform is built on cloud-based technology, compliance expertise, and unmatched scale in 185 countries in all 50 United States. The world of work, we know it's forever changed. Talent can live anywhere, work for anyone, and get the job done. And more than 1,000 businesses engage top talent in another state or country without the need to set up a foreign entity or registration and they rely on Velocity Global to make it simple and compliant. Velocity Global accelerating the future of work. To learn more, visit velocityglobal.com slash golf. We appreciate them being on board as always. We also appreciate Kim Llewellyn from Wake Forest, I know she's probably done about 18 things this morning from workouts to schedules <laughs> because no, no one gets up earlier than uh, Coach Kim, but always a pleasure. And more importantly, congratulations. What a way to get things going uh, in Minnesota at the Annika. What are your initial reactions to your team uh, with that final day rally able to bring home a trophy back to North Carolina?
0: Oh, hello, everybody. Thanks for having me on this morning. Um, I'll tell you what, it's, it's always nice to walk through the airport with five trophies in the large one. And, uh, <laughs> uh I'll tell you what, um, you get a lot of attention and the, 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 girls love it. And, um, I'll tell you what, to, to come out of a field like that. And, um, with it being, you know, the Annika Invitational, um, just, um, outstanding win, great start to the season.
2: When you take a look at Lauren Walsh, high for second, had been indifferent with her performances uh, of late. What kind of statement does that show in terms of maybe dedication and effort she's put into trying to get her game as very uh, you know, high level as she possibly can?
0: Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, last semester was uh, probably – she didn't play as well as she wanted to, and she, she left here – uh, with plans this summer, obviously playing in some some big events with the with the Curtis Cup and the World Am. But but during that time, she was going to focus on uh, getting her ball striking back where where it had been earlier. And and she did that. She came in uh, this year. We played uh, at the beginning of the year, and she won the qualifier. I mean, she was ten under here at home, so her game was in good shape going into this event. Um, she went in, hit some of the best shots I've seen her hit since she's been here and thrilled for how she finished, how she worked hard. And, um, uh, you know, a few more putts would have dropped and she would have given some back a a good run.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's always nice when you have a player like Lauren Walsh, who's arguably, you know, maybe your number four player. Um, But, you know, I want to talk about someone else on the roster, Kim. We're kind of in an unprecedented time with these extra Mm -hmm. years because of the pandemic. But most of these teams, you know, they have their players stick around an extra year. You guys are the only team that had someone retire from college golf, essentially, and then pull a Michael Jordan come back. That's Amelia Meliancho. <laughs> what does she bring to this team uh, that was noticeably missing last year?
0: Right. Uh, you know, it's just such an interesting story, as you said. And everybody, when she shows up, they're, they're like, wait, what? If they haven't <laughs> heard about it yet. So, uh, yeah, so she, you know, four years. Uh, played for us, had an extra COVID year, went to grad school last year, um, and decided to come back for her sixth year. Uh, what that brings is maturity. She's played at every stage, at every high level. And as you know, you know she's she's been commentating for the last year. So not only does she have the game that she's had in the past ACC champion, All-American freshman of the year, way back six years ago, um, but even just taking a year out and working and commentating. She comes with a, a stronger golf IQ now from observing and watching the best play. So we've almost got uh, a third coach, but also a player that's played in uh, some uh, events that none of us have played in. So to have that on the roster, um, you just really feel like um, you've got an advantage there.
1: Yeah, I think Burko could probably speak to this better than me, but Amelia has done an incredible job you know, picking things up on the TV side and really looking forward to seeing kind of what her career in that aspect takes her. But I'm always curious, you know, because I was never part of a college golf team, but could you describe maybe what the travel is like and maybe what the time away Mm -hmm. from the golf course is like at an event like the Annika? Like how, like Mm -hmm. when do you guys leave in? Are you guys doing any extracurriculars, any fun things um, aside from the tournament? Kind of take us through maybe a a day in the life
0: or a tournament in the life of Wake Forest? Right, right. Um, yes, very much so. Uh, you know, I, it's very much different being a collegiate player, a student athlete, than uh summer golf as a junior or, or a professional uh, because you have homework as well. So um, what they do, what, I'll, I'll tell you the, I would say one of the most, the, the most fun day that we had is we went out, we played, um, we have a, anywhere from an 8 o'clock to 9.30 tee time. We tee off. Uh, we get there, which is another interesting piece, is you have five players. So you, if the first tee time's at 8.50, but the, next one's, the last one's at 9.30, all five players are getting there at the same time. So the person that's teeing off the latest will be sticking around a little bit longer. Uh, are a little bit earlier. They're there a little bit earlier. So having to manage that as a player, sort of uh, getting a different routine than you might have uh, playing individual golf um, can be an interesting step when you enter uh, into college golf. Uh, All of them handle a little bit different. Rachel uses that extra time to putt. Um, She'll putt a lot around because she feels like that's not exerting a lot of energy. So she'll actually putt, use that extra time to putt. Some of them might get a little stretching in. Um, I used to have a player, Brittany Altamari, who would do some word puzzles, but anyway, so that's a little <laughs> bit different, but then they'll, they'll tee off, um, they'll play, then when they get done, again, there's a lot of uh, time waiting because the last person that finishes is there to support the four coming in after them, so you've got about 40 minutes to an hour of time that you're, you're waiting for your teammates to come in. Then you come in, you might get together for a moment, eat something, brainstorm about what you did, which is an awesome time because you'll have five players discussing their best shot, their worst shot, a lot of different emotions going on there. Then we go off and do our own thing to prepare for the next day, working on whatever we need to do uh, to prepare for the next day. Then we'll go back and usually there's a quick turnover. For this event, we went to a Twins game, which is a blast. Um, So we went to a Twins game, Uh, for part of it, um, where Annika was there throwing in the first pitch, which was fun to watch. She did a great job, by the way. She threw a strike, too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, got it to the plate. I was very impressed with that arm. Um, But, yeah, and then we'll come back, go to bed, and do it all over again. So very busy days, and and during that time, they're also trying to figure out how to get their work done. We didn't get home till midnight last night. I had one player that had a quiz due – um, by 11 a.m. We got in the bus from the Charlotte airport at 10, 15. She had 45 minutes to get this quiz in. So, you know, it's about managing your time. I'll tell you what, though, when they leave here, they can manage their time. Um, they can do a lot in a short amount of time and they can uh, get get good at a skill really quickly. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a typical day.
2: Yeah, not, nothing to it. And as you sort of said, there's so much behind the scenes that people really, don't have a sense of in terms of the preparation and at the very least it's great life skills forget about golf of just time management and how to multitask and and do that and and they're sort of following your lead Tim for all the years I've known you you continue to turn over every stone and I go back to Greyhawk two years ago where your team didn't particularly play well you knew you weren't going to be around deep into that championship but you were taking notes I remember you told me um We're going to be back here and I need to be better prepared. Two years removed from that, how do you approach things differently, even though it's seven, eight months away, to try to get Mm -hmm. the very best out of your team come May for the national championships?
0: That's a great question. And and you've got to, you know, uh, failure is feedback and you've got to learn from it. And so, um, you know, we haven't played great yet in the desert. And, um, you know, I've got a lot of players. I don't have any West coasters. I've got two from the UK, one, you know, or excuse me, one from Ireland, one from uh, Britain, two East coasters and a Netherlands and a a Spaniard. So, uh, you know, I don't have anybody that's used to those grasses, maybe my Spaniard a little bit and and into the altitude. So we've got to figure that out. Um, What I noticed last year was uh, I've got like, you know, some some deep golfers and so they were playing a lot of events. They were playing the Augusta event. They, uh, Rachel qualified for the Palace Verdes LPGA event. They've got open qualifiers. They had Curtis Cup practice and our ACC championship, which is a long um, event. So I really think uh, this year what we did is we had a, we scheduled a lot in the fall. We have a minimal schedule in the spring. I need to make sure that these players are able to do those individual events that they want to, but they're able to rest. Um, and continue to maintain their golf games. And so we learned from that last year. So we're hoping to go in there a little bit better rested. We know the golf course a little bit better. We still got to figure out desert golf and West Coast golf. Um, So that's the challenges for the coaches to help their players.
2: Well, you will likely figure it out come May. If uh, I know anything about you, you'll (laughs) do the extra work. But more importantly, always good to catch up. Great start for you and the team to kick off the fall campaign with the victory. Uh, excited to watch you guys uh, throughout the course of the fall and into the spring and uh, keep it going. Always uh, good to catch up, Kim.
0: Uh, good to catch up. And I think I'll see you in a few weeks down in Seminole. Sounds like a plan. Looking forward to it. Perfect. <laughs> Bye. Take
2: care now. Kim Llewellyn, the women's golf coach at Wake Forest. Always good to catch up
0: with her.
2: And then Brentley, one of those intriguing teams of uh, each and every year. I mean, she has built something uh, that I think will be around for a long time. And, and then it sort of begs the question: they're they're on the short list of who can compete with Stanford come May. I know you're bullish on them, and, and a victory like this uh, proves a, he- a heck of a lot on a real good field.
1: Yeah, there, there's so much talk about just how great Stanford is but I mean I'd, I'd argue that this team is not far behind them if not maybe on the same level if you if you get them on a on a neutral site like a like a Greyhawk and put them in match play this is a team that has the guns to contend and I was talking about that a couple of weeks ago and that was before I knew Lauren Walsh was going to come out and tie for second individually at the Annika so with her back playing like the two-timer I think she's even a, maybe a three-time Curtis Cupper. I think she's a two-time Curtis Cupper. But to play like like she has in the past, that, that's a huge boost. And Amelia, T10, I mean, it's like it never left her. Carolina Shakar, I think, is a player, though she finished T19 and didn't maybe have her best week, I think she's a player that could go win three or four times this season. And then Rachel Keane, we all know what she's capable of. I think the question still is maybe that fifth spot Mimi Rhodes was T-35. Now Kim and her assistant coach, Ryan Potter, they brought in a freshman from the Netherlands, Anster Dunham. Very tall player, very physically talented. It's going to be interesting to see if she cracks her way into this lineup. Uh, she's a potential player to watch out for. But yeah, one one through five, one through six, this team on, on their best day is a team that could go toe-to-toe with Stanford. So again, I'm, I'm not saying that they're going to win, but if you're going to take anybody else, I think you got to start with Wake.
2: Yeah. Good start for them. Texas
1: had a nice final round to finish second at the Annika.
2: Uh, Virginia struggled eight over that final day. They began the last 18 with the lead Michigan surprised me. They they were sort of right there on the cusp and um, didn't have their best stuff, but it, it was good to see a handful of quality teams right out of the gate sort of throw their name into the mix and, uh, you know, I don't think it's, uh, you know, any concerns, at least from my standpoint. You know, teams try to figure it out uh, in terms of, of closing things or rallying. But to your point, I think uh, Wake will would be one of those squads. We would be shocked if they weren't squarely in the mix um, come May at Greyhawk. But a lot of time between now and then to see how it all unfolds. Some other events, Cougar Classic. How about Old Miss Women? picking up it was a pretty decent field and you're 18 months removed from a national championship that squad pretty much is gone uh so to go out there if you're Corey Henkes uh the head coach and pick up a win uh, surprised me a little bit but maybe it shows I'm a big believer uh, Brentley you win a national championship you better build something off of that for the next three to five years because that's the highlight of your program in terms of getting recruits. To me, it's not that next year, it's the second year, the third year, the fourth year, what kind of player can you get uh, to
1: your program that maybe you wouldn't have gotten otherwise? Yeah. And I don't necessarily think it was Corey Hankus's fault that the rebels did not have a good year last year. I mean, they, they really had a bunch of things thrown at them all at once with Smilla Sonderby deciding she didn't want to play college golf anymore with the injury to Ellen Hume, with Julia Johnson, who's supposed to be your horse, um, kind of taking a step back and, and not having her best season to close out her college career. I, I will point out, they, they end up winning this event, which they beat a lot of great teams or good teams who I had kind of ranked right around them. And those are the Georgias and the Kentuckys and, you know, even like UCF, who's kind of an upstart team, and then Florida State, who I thought was a top five team preseason I still think they are but those are you know this is a quality field those are some quality wins and Ole Miss did so without their best player uh, Chiara Tamburlini so um, she wasn't in the lineup uh, Andrea Lignell, the the Swedish player who a couple years ago was a big uh, you know big part of that national championship team she goes out wins which uh, I believe it's her first college win um, you know and and kind of bouncing back from a rough year last year and so, yeah, this is a team that I, I don't think we can count out. Uh, maybe not as strong throughout the lineup as some of these elite teams that we're talking about, but, again, there's a lot of players who experience that feeling, what it was like two years ago at Greyhawk to be lift, lifting the trophy, and now they're able to kind of use that experience. They're playing a little bit better golf, and, um, yeah, watch out for this team. Over on the men's side, Texas A&M wins the Badger. Sam Bennett.
2: USAM champ tied for 34th you know you pitched the idea early Haskins hit it's one event but you would think and I was talking about him last week I think he's going to have a great year you know maybe just a little hangover from USAM and and everything that goes with it I'm going to spin it a different way if your best player doesn't play well and you win as a team uh, that could serve uh, the Aggies uh, in good stead
1: moving forward. Yeah, this is a big moment for a for, for and because this is the one through five who I think they're expecting to have throughout the entire year. Obviously, it could change, um, you know, at, at any point in time. This is the five they're probably going to be rolling with. And, um, again, a, a good team sign. But individually, especially in a field like this, which wasn't very strong. I mean, you, you look at some of the teams they beat. I think Ole Miss is, is a solid team. Um, Purdue's a quality squad, but he he really lost to a lot of players. And I think it's going to really affect his ranking. So I'm not going to say player of the year is out of the question um, already after one event, but um, it's certainly going to be tough. I think Sam Bennett, especially considering that he's probably going to be missing a couple of starts because he's the USAM champ because he's going to get professional opportunities on the PGA tour likely in the spring and obviously he's going to have the, the master start as well. He's not going to have that many chances. So he's got to go out. He's got to win probably three or four times now um, to, to, ha- to have a shot because I mean, Ludwig Aber, Gordon Sargent, there's a lot of studs out there. And uh, you know, he's, he has some work to do. And you talk about youngsters making an early impact. How about
2: Caleb Surratt from Tennessee, Ben James at Virginia, big wins, and you but you were on it from the beginning thinking the best player of the year might be the freshman of the year as well.
1: Yeah, this is such a deep freshman class. I mean, even Cameron Tankersley from Ole Miss was contending at the Badger for a little bit and up finishing third, I believe. But yeah, Caleb Surratt ever since you know I got the chance to play with him in the junior am at the junior players last summer, and the kid just impressed the heck out of me. I mean, there's really no holes in his game, makes a lot of birdies very polite kid, has a good head on his shoulders, very encouraging to his teammates. And he's he's the type of kid who, um, you know, makes the entire team better. And so that's why I'm so high on Tennessee. But Ben James as well. I mean, a lot of power. I, I thought he could have made a deep run at the U.S. AM, but ran into Stuart Haggishead who made eight birdies and an eagle and 14 holes on him. It's kind of hard to beat, you know, beat a guy when he plays like that. But these are two guys who are, who are best friends as well. And they're going to be competing with each other. And Caleb Surratt, I mean, especially getting the first one out of the way. I mean, this is a guy who has the capability to win five or six or seven times. Like we have seen in the past with Norman Jong and Maverick McNeely. Um, And again, freshman is only a title, right? I mean, this day and age, these guys are so prepared. They're really not freshmen. I mean, Caleb Stroud had, arguably the best summer of anybody kind of ran out of gas at the end, but that's because he played so dang much, but wins the elite amateur cup. I mean, this kid's the real deal. And it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of season he puts together. Probably very, uh, very similar to the one Gordon Sargent put together last year, but maybe with a few more wins, Uh, that would be good stuff. He's off to a great start. Um, We've also been
2: waiting and we've always waited to see if someone will break 60 in college golf. Uh, and early on in the fall, there have been a couple of 59 watches that maybe lend that idea that it's finally going to happen.
1: You'd hope, right?
2: <laughs> it I would mean, be nice. I, I go back it's 20 years tough, ago because right? I'm, I'm, I'm old, Brentley. I was in Hilton Head at Palmetto Dunes. And watch Bryce Mulder have about a 15-footer on the last for 59. And that's 20 years ago where it was virtually unheard of. Paul Casey had done it at the conferences, but uh, seemingly one, two, three times a year, that watch is happening. It's a testament to how good these kids are and technology, et cetera. But uh, I think this is the year it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean we've had three already on on the men's side. Of course, the women's record is sixty-one. Still, have not had a sixty, but you know, j- just to shout out some of those guys. I mean, you look at uh, sixty by Sebastian Sandine of Lindsey Wilson College, which is an NAIA program, and that's worth mentioning too. We're not just talking about Division One; like it's never fifty-nine has never been done at any level, men or women, and so that's kind of what's amazing—the fact that then. A few days after that, you have Aub- Auburn's Ryan Eichelman go out, shoot 60 at the Maui gym. And then Jason Hong, a couple days ago from Litscomb, had shot 61, but arguably had the best chance that anybody's had. I mean, he was he was 12 under par with three holes to play at song Blue. Yes, song is a resort golf course. These college kids tore it up. But he goes and uh, he has five feet for birdie on the 16th hole, which is this par three over water, long, really long green with a, a a beer rips kind of in the the middle of it. Has five feet for birdie, misses that putt. All right, no big deal. Right, just needs a birdie in his last two holes to shoot 59. He's got a par five and then a short kind of par four where he's gonna have a wedge. Bogies the par five. Pars the par, or pars 18. Shoots 61. Very disappointing, but. I, I'm with you, Burko. I mean, we, we said this on air a couple of days ago. Um, I think we both agree that, yeah, we are going to see one this year. And looking at the scores from, like, the Frederica Cup and the Maui Gym and things like that, yes, this is these are some easy golf courses. But, again, they're going to be playing some more easy golf courses, especially when these teams get to, like, Hawaii around January or February. So I, I think we see it. Yeah, I, and I
2: said it on our College Central show. I agree, and I think it's going to be a, a woman, whether it's Rose Zang or Ingrid Lindblad or Amari Avery or, or, or somebody we've never heard of. I, I just have the feeling there's special talent on both sides. Um, eventually it will happen, so we'll see if we're right. Uh, something that's going to happen over the weekend, Olympia Field's always a great event uh, to kick things off. Loaded. North Carolina, Florida, Texas. Pepperdine, Illinois, Stanford. What what are you thinking in terms of maybe win-play show and also maybe the chance of teams that have already played to feel a little bit better than others that are going to kick off their season?
1: Yeah, I I think this is North Carolina's event to win, particularly because they did not win their fall opener at Notre Dame a couple weekends ago, but that's because they didn't have Austin Greaser. He's back in the lineup. Of course, Austin had that walk-off. Eagle, or actually walk off birdie because he had to punch out uh, to win this event last year. So there's some good memories, some good vibes. I like for North Carolina to kind of show like, hey, like Vanderbilt is good and all. They won last week, but they haven't played us yet, and we're better than them. We're going to go out and win the best tournament, I think, of the regular season. Florida, I'm really high on your Gators, Burko. You know, especially with uh, Quentin Quentin DeBove back in the fold, playing some great golf, um, I, I think they're 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 going to contend. And then it, it's interesting. There's a lot of teams as I could see kind of contending and surprising. I was going to go with Pepperdine because I've heard some rumblings out of Malibu that Sam Choi, their transfer from New Mexico, is the real deal. He's going to have a great year. But I think Illinois, just the maybe familiarity with the type of golf course, um, Olympia Fields is a very tough course. It's arguably the toughest that. These guys play all year. I was actually talking with John Fields, the Texas coach, yesterday on the phone, and and he said it was the toughest course that they play all year, or the toughest course, course at least on their schedule. Um, but these Illinois players have played it probably more than these other um, other teams. And uh, this kid, uh, Matisse Bassard, uh, transfer from Southern Illinois, also from Belgium. You know the Belgian pop- pipeline is you know really strong between belgium and uh champagne illinois but this uh this is a kid who made match play at the western amateur was second i think in the stroke play he's he's gonna have an interesting year and kind of team up with tommy cool and uh adrian dumont uh, is it De chassert or is it De, De Chasse? you're the day De, De chassart adrian De De dumont Chisart. De chassart there we go we can always count on you for the pronunciations that's your I, that's your job i try,
2: <laughs> I try. uh it's going right, to be intriguing there. Something when we talk about Florida, not in the lineup this week. But do not be surprised from talking to J.C. Deacon, Gators coach, that by the end of the fall, a newcomer with the last name of Poulter finds his way into the starting five. He's been
1: playing that well. Wow. So, wow. Um, must be some extra time with uh, volunteer head coach Billy Horschel. <laughs> you never know. Never know. Um.
2: It'll be good. That always is uh, in Olympia field. So we'll certainly recap that next week. Uh, And before we go, we had a little fun with Alabama, Texas. Uh, And by the way, Texas should have won. I thought Bama was going to win by 40. Oh, my gosh. That was a tough one if you're a longhorn. (laughs) All right. So Uh,
1: quick, quick thought, Berko. And and I know this is a golf podcast. But do you think that the – I don't know what the word is, but maybe the – the willingness of referees this day and age in football to call unnecessary roughness or, um, you know, roughing the passer on these quarterbacks for going low or hitting them hard. Do you think that has any effect on that tackle that Bryce Young broke late in the game that I think was the difference in the game? It's a good call. Qual- uh, good question. Uh, I mean, Bama had the most penalties under Saban. Uh,
2: I get it. You try to protect the quarterback. Uh I never thought about it from that standpoint because you're right, it was the game changer when, when Bryce Young rolled out, got twenty some odd yards and put him in position. Uh, I understand but you, you can't want to hit him low. You can't hit him yeah. high. Like I'm kind of so, so you try you. to bring
1: him down easy, and the next yeah. thing you know, you get a guy like Bryce Young and he just gets out of it like it's nothing. And you know, you got 20, 25 yard game, game over. So I don't know. I was just thinking about that, especially watching some other games, seeing how some things were called. I think there was a call in in, in the Florida game uh, too that, you know, probably uh, that I don't think they ended up calling rough in the passer, but still, but anyways, I, I digress. It was just something I want to get off my chest. Maybe people agree with me, but just a thought I have. <laughs> no, I like it. I Well, and you always
2: see it early. Uh, the refs are, prone to blow that whistle more often than not in the first few weeks, so we shall see. The only top 25 matchup on the gridiron, BYU and Oregon, sort of made us think about all-time great Ducks, all-time great Cougars, Norman Zhang, Eugene Wong, Wyndham Clark, who was there for a year, Aaron Wise, who won the NCAA Individual Championship, our uh, good friend colleague, Peter Jacobson, a standout for the Ducks, Daniel Mernicki, that Miranicki-Wong yep. one-two combo a decade oh. ago was extremely, extremely strong. Uh, and then you go to BYU, Daniel Summerhays, Andy Miller, Johnny Miller, Rick Fair, Bobby Clampett, Mike Brannon. I mean, you could throw uh, Mike Weir in there. Didn't uh, Radar, Mike Reed, he played there. I mean, yeah. BYU. Sneaky. S- quiet, yeah. Sneakily, quietly has produced some wonderful college golfers um and then you, you know you look at the you know Bobby Clampett as John Cook said when we were at the U.S. Amateur Bobby Clampett was the best player in college in amateur golf for about a two-year run and it wasn't even close yeah that's how good he was um I go back and forth to think of teams like this you know when at it uh I think you could sort of flip a coin and again we sort of focus on their college accomplishments not necessarily what they did Uh, you know, in professional golf after their days, but maybe the slightest of leans to BYU, if we had this, you know, ultimate teams uh, battling it out in their heyday. Uh, But then I could wake up the next day and say, Oregon, slightly.
1: That's, to me, that's how close it is. Yeah, it's so hard to compare from different decades, right? Because, I mean, you go on these school historical sites and their record books and you know, scoring averages have obviously gone down, so you can't really look at career scoring and things like that. But I, I, I tend to give it to BYU just because Bobby Clamp, Clampett was so good. I mean, three-time first-team All-American, three-time conference player of the year, won two Haskins Awards. Uh, as far as I know, I think Oregon only has one Haskins Award winner. Eugene Wong won the Nicholas Award in 2010. I, I didn't, I for, had forgotten all about that. And then, of course, him and uh, Daniel Mironicki in 2012, they were both, first team All-Americans in a season that was littered with talent when you're talking about Spieth and JT and Cantley and those guys and Patrick Rogers. Uh, so yeah, it would be close, but I, I think I would lean BYU and maybe Daniel Summerhays being the, being the tiebreaker because as we talk about 59s, he had one of those sixties. So that's the best round in BYU history. Um, didn't quite get to 59, but I, I say, uh, I said Daniel Summerhays is is my tiebreaker in this hypothetical matchup. I
2: like it. I like it. It's cool to sort of go back down memory lane, take a look at some of the standouts from recent years or 30, 40, 50 years ago as well. So we'll continue to have some fun with that over the course of the fall campaign. But as always, we appreciate you guys for tuning in to another edition of College Golf Talk for Brentley. I'm We'll do it again next week. Take care.